Welcome to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Royce Hood, and I am joined by a very, very special guest who really, frankly, doesn't need much of an introduction at all. Dr. Ray, welcome to the program. You only use two very varies. I, I, you know, I think I distinctly told you when I contacted you through my people's people, uh, you were to use five varies. I apologize if we um, get to a break and as we're coming back in, I'll try to remember, you know, I get things wrong all the time, which is one of the jokes on this show. It doesn't matter how famous somebody is. I'm really great at butchering names and getting the very varies wrong. So welcome to the program. <laughs> hey, appreciate it, Royce. Thanks. I'm very, 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 very happy to be here. Well, we're very, 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 very happy to have you on. Dr. Ray, as we're, I, I sort of go off, I don't know if it's the ADHD or what, but I go off on tangents sometimes. And this reminds me of a story before we even get started. My grandfather used to tell me and we'd, we'd have a few friends in the car and he would, you know, give us new nicknames. And one of the names would be squirt. There'd be squirt, squirt and squirt, squirt, squirt. And he would proceed for the entire day to call us that. And it was our job to remember which one we were, whether we were squirt, 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 squirt. I don't know why I'm bringing that up, except the very, very, very reminded me of it. So thank you. Well, the problem is if he got mad at you and he stopped to squirt short, he was talking to the wrong kid. That's true. He, I know. And uh, he did not want to make my grandfather angry. So that's a, uh, a good point. So, all right, listen, there's so much I want to talk to you about. And we have battled through the, um, the, the dark forces of technology here this morning to get together. So thank you for joining us. Let's talk about your, your book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. I want to hear all about this. We want to talk about this book, and we can talk about some of the other projects you have coming up. Parent walks into my office, Royce. They're frustrated. They got a six-year-old driving them nuts, okay? The kid makes everything a battle. Discipline is annoying. It's not a pleasant child-rearing experience. They think there's all kinds of complications here. What's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with our family? So I give them a couple simple ideas. Nothing fancy in the first session. Just some real basic, do this. 50% of the time, they'll come back in the office two weeks later and say something like, I'm living with a different child. I don't know who this is. Aliens. Aliens have taken over his body. He's pleasant. He's more cooperative. He's telling me he loves me. Now, I hadn't heard that for four months. And I'll say, well, what do you think happened? All we did was make a couple of simple steps and it's cascading all over the place. I go, you're absolutely right. You change a couple simple things and it can have a far reaching effect. And that's the premise of the marriage book. I love it. So can you give us an example? Um, you know, say, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> what? Give us some examples. What are some things? And who's, by the way, who's responsible for changing these things? Is, is, is it the husband or the wife? You have one person change it, Royce. You don't have to have the cooperation from the other person. That's the nice thing about this. If the one person makes the changes, unless you're living with somebody that is terribly pathological, completely unable to interact in a marriage, they will respond. Now, they may not respond as much as you'd like, but they will respond. So first step, somebody's going to say, well, that's not easy. Yes, it is. Say, I'm sorry. Now, 80% of the book, Royce, I talk about not the simple steps. I talk about something that every therapist sees in counseling, which is resistance. 
I call them resistance rationales. For every simple step I offer, I have five or six reasons why people won't do it. Why will they fight saying, I'm sorry? One, well, I wasn't wrong. Two, it's going to get thrown back in my face. Three, if I say I'm sorry, my spouse will think they didn't do anything wrong. Four, well, I may not say I'm sorry, but I act I'm sorry. I get nicer. So what happens is I say this, okay, personal apology percentage. That is something that I've coined in the book. How wrong do you have to be before you say, I'm sorry. Most people, well, at least 50%. Now keep in mind, this is subjective. We, we tend to think we're a lot less wrong than we really are. That's a human bias. But let's just say with 50%, if you're a Christian, your, your apology percentage should be all the way down to zero. Let's say that my wife is nagging me about something. And in my opinion, she's nagged me about this for the last six months. Now I tell her, I say, honey, all you have to do is tell me one time. You don't have to remind me every six months. Okay. So <laughs> given that I finally erupt, I call a name. I curse. I say things I shouldn't say. Your parents raised a diva that has to have what she wants. The minute she wants it. No, you want it yesterday. Okay. Was I wrong? Yes. How wrong was I? Well, in my opinion, 12%. Am I willing to apologize for my 12%? Honey, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. Shouldn't have yelled. Shouldn't have cursed. Shouldn't have insulted you. I'm sorry. Now, the other 88% in my mind is her fault. However, that's irrelevant. Because what I've noticed as a shrink, Royce, is if I apologize for 12, it makes it more likely the other person may say, well, yeah, I know. I, I probably shouldn't have been badgering you like that all that time. I'm sorry too. So say I'm sorry is really the first step. Interesting thing about I'm sorry, Royce. In most situations, I saw a meme on social media the other day that said this. It said, I shouldn't have said, hey, give me a call. Let's get together for lunch because he keeps calling and I have caller ID and I don't answer. It was easy for me to say, hey, come on, let's be sociable. But when it comes time to being sociable, that's the harder thing. So we can talk nice a lot easier than we can act nice. We all do it, except, except I'm sorry. Give you an example. I went to the florist a while back. Please give me a flower. She said, what did you do? I said, what do you mean what I do? She said, well, guys come in here. They asked for a flower. It's not a holiday. They did something wrong. I said, hey, no, 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 no. My wife and I, we've got an understanding. She knows I'm just being romantic. I went home, had the flower behind my back. I said, honey, got something for you. I pulled it out. She looked at it and she said, what did you do? <laughs> and I said, well, did you ever work for a florist or what? So <laughs> people will say, I don't say I'm sorry, but I act. I'm sorry. I get nicer. I be more pleasant. I do some nice little act that makes you feel special. Yeah, but say, I'm sorry. You know, I had a lady call me on the radio show once Royce 
And she said, I've been married 52 years. I can't recall one time my husband has ever said, I'm sorry. And I said, are you still upsetting yourself over this? Yes, yes, it's getting worse every year. I said, but ma'am, <laughs> is he a decent man? Oh yeah, he's okay. Well then, why, you know this is what he's like. Why are you still, after 52 years, upsetting yourself over this? Well, he should say, I'm sorry. Well, he should, but he's not. So I'm sorry is the, first, the very first simple step. I love it. I mean, <laughs> there's some funny examples in there that I, I, I think we could probably unpack. But I, I love the fact that, um, you know, as I'm reading the, the new release on your website, drray.com, simple steps to a stronger marriage is what we're talking about. And it says each chapter in this book presents a baby step you can take, encouragement to overcome resistance to taking the step, and a fictional couple in dialogue with an anonymous therapist. Guess who? I'm curious about the fictional couple. <laughs> you tell at, I'm sure there's a story behind that. At the end of every chapter, I have a dialogue between a husband and wife. So, for example, the I'm sorry dialogue, uh, how hard it is for a spouse to say it, the other spouse's reaction, and I step into the scene. I'm the guy that steps into the scene. I observe what's going on. I say, okay, let's try it from this direction. Rewind. Here we go. Spouse says what I have them programmed to say, and the other spouse reacts what I have them programmed to react. Now, sometimes it's realistic, sometimes it's not, but that's okay because that's the way the interactions go in marriage. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So given that these these little vignettes, as I call them, we've used them for the TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray. We've actually had couples act them out, and then I step into the scene virtually to correct or to comment or to back one or the other off. So that's what I used them for. I thought it was kind of a creative way to make the point. I love it. I, I think it sounds great, and it sounds entertaining as well as it is informative which is great, which obviously from, from the way that you conduct yourself, I mean, I, I'm so impressed by, by your ministry, the fact that, I mean, you're a father of 10 as well. Um, can you tell us anything about how's your family doing before we get more into the book? Well, I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag because, you know, it's kind of uh, obnoxious when parents brag about their kids. But I will say this. My son's parole officer said one of the nicest kids he has. You know, and when you hear something like that, you just glow inside. You really do. You know, the, the judge said he uses good manners in the courtroom. So I just, again, please forgive me for, for fluffing myself up. You know, listen, uh, yeah, I was always detention uh, kid of the month. Um, so <laughs> I get it. I understand. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What's the biggest resistance that you see among a husband and wife to having a good marriage? Is there, is there something you can pinpoint? You talk about resistance, uh, rationales a little bit, reluctance, so forth. What were the points of contention, if that makes sense, that you can observe? The very last chapter is titled, The Ultimate Resistance Rationale. Do you know what it is, Royce? It uh, is. It, it's yeah, very simple. It's very simple. I don't want to. That's really it. What, what do you do to get somebody passed? 
that I don't want to. I don't want to apologize. I don't want to use manners. I don't want to compliment. I don't want to listen a minute. I don't want to add a touch. I don't want to because my marriage is ugly or my marriage is unpleasant or my spouse is selfish or my spouse will take full advantage of my niceness. I don't want to. Now, I do talk about how to get you past the I don't want to. I say you don't really have to want to to do something. If I had to want to do everything good that I do, I'd say about three quarters of what I do that I, I think is good, I wouldn't do. So that's the first thing you got to get over. I don't have to have the feeling to do it. You just do it. See what happens. Do a little experiment. Try it. I always say fake it. You don't feel it? Fake it. Uh, that's so, great. Yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep going, please. Yeah. So, so given that, I don't want to rationale. I had a friend, a colleague who said, anything can be a justification for what you really don't want to do anyway. So I'm going to find a reason why I don't have to do these things. But really, the real reason underneath is I just don't feel like it. Mm. And I always, in the book, I talk a lot about if you let your feelings decide what you're going to do or what you're not going to do, you're done. It's over. Shut it down. Close it up. Tell God when you stand before him, well, you know, I just didn't feel like it. That's all. You, you said some good things, but uh, I just didn't feel like listening. Try that one. See how it works. That's great. Um, well, okay. So Dr. Ray, let's do this before we jump into the next segment. Why don't we jump into our commercial break here? Uh, for all of our listeners, you're listening to truth culture life at Catholic spirit radio. We are joined by Dr. Ray talking all about his new book. And when we come back on the other side, I'm going to ask him a few other questions about his work. And, uh, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Yeah. Don't ever lose hope. Please believe in Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Catholic Spirit Radio. We are very thankful for our dear listeners, our Facebook followers, and business sponsors. May you and yours enjoy a cornucopia of God's blessing and wonders during this season of gratefulness. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line 
Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I just want to thank everybody for listening. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to download the app at catholicspiritradio.com. You can listen to this program and other programming through Catholic Spirit Radio anywhere in the country. We are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Ray. And Dr. Ray is telling us all about his book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. Uh, Wow, this is definitely a book that I feel like a lot of people could use. And I'm really excited to see... I mean, I'm just excited to have you on the program, Dr. Ray. So let me ask you this. What if somebody already thinks they have a strong marriage? Do they still need this book? So you're saying you can't get it any stronger? I, I don't know. I mean, what <laughs> if somebody comes walking in? They're like, yeah, we're fine. We're good. Yeah, I'm good. This is good. You know, it's what I call the good enough. It's not a strong marriage. It's a good enough marriage. Yeah, we're doing okay. Yeah, we got a nice marriage. I think we got a real, I think I, from my, okay, here's your problem that you just, ran into with your question, Royce. Do both of them think that? One may say, yeah, things are pretty great. And the other one says, I guess it depends upon who's doing the defining here. I'll get clients walking into my office for marriage counseling. And more often than not, it's the wife who is more in tuned to what needs to be improved in the marriage. And she has a list and she pulls it out and she cites 27 things. I turn to the guy. What do you think? He says, I thought everything was okay. (laughs) So it really does come down to who's making the perception here. There's something in the book. Royce, did you ever have any uh, physics education in high school or college? A little bit. I I wasn't a physics guy, but sure. Do you remember something called the law of entropy? Sure. Don't what ask is, me. Oh, you know, you, 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 <laughs> okay. It is basically everything in the universe decays. Everything is heading toward decays. Bodies decay, iron rust, star will burn out. That's the way it is. In the book, I talk about the law of social entropy. I think that is something that uh, assaults more marriages than pathology. A lot of marriages don't have alcoholism, they don't have abuse. They don't have serious mental disorder. They don't have pornography. They have laziness, Mm. social entropy. I don't compliment you like I used to. I don't use manners like I used to. I really don't pay much attention when you're talking to me like I used to. It's not that I'm hostile. I've just gotten sloppy. I call it the law of social entropy. It effectively takes a marriage and says, yeah, we'll just go into drift mode. But sadly, that drift is usually downward. It doesn't drift upward. To go upward, you got to put effort into it. One of the small steps I had was make a list. It's very simple. You sit down and you think about your spouse's qualities, attributes, skills, talents, admirable virtues, and you write them down. Now, if you say, oh, yeah, that'll take about 32 seconds, then the problem is you. 
everybody has positives. Even the biggest jerk in the world is not jerky all the time. They have positives. So you write them down. Most people who do this are shocked at how many they write down and how many they've forgotten about. He takes good care of the lawn. Uh, when my mom comes over, he always says hello to my mom as soon as she walks in the house. If we have company, he'll, he'll put the dishes away. So there's many, many, many things you can write down, specific things. Then you present them to your spouse. You say, uh, I want to talk to you. Now, usually that's a bad sign because people think when a spouse says, I want to talk, we're in big trouble. You're going to tell me what's wrong with me. No, I want to tell you what's right with you. And I've had spouses tell me they sit down and they go through this list. The other spouse is shocked. They didn't realize that their spouse actually noticed these things or even thought about them. My wife and I used to do something similar. I say, let me start, honey. So what I would do is I'd take about 45 minutes and I'd just list everything I could think of. Then I said, okay, honey, your turn. She said, uh, can you give me a couple days? So what I decided to do, Royce, is I just, I wrote the list and then I handed it to her and just asked her to sign it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, seriously, that's, that's, I think about my own marriage for a minute and my wife and I are approaching our 11th anniversary. We met in law school. I courted her in law school. We actually courted on the steps. This is a strange place to court, but we, I, I courted her on the steps of uh, outside of Planned Parenthood, praying the rosary every weekend uh, with our pro-life group on campus. And then we went to mass daily. So I think it's interesting. Our marriage was, I was physically attracted to her, but the things that really attracted me to her was her faith. And the fact that her faith challenged me to be more faithful and to learn more about my faith and so forth. When we fast forward now, we've had uh, we've had a whole bunch of kids. We're on. Um, we technically have ten, three of which are in heaven. The first. Wait a minute! Stop right there. Yep. You guys had seven kids in eleven years of marriage. We've been busy. I was going to say that's pretty quick. That yep. is really that, quick. We have been pregnant basically every year that we've been. Oh, married. I, like, I like the way you say that. We have been pregnant. Are you the one who pukes in the morning? Are you no. the one who gets sick? Are you the one whose body's getting out of shape? No, but you included yourself in that. You did your part there for a while, huh? Well, the thing is, uh, she teases me a lot because anytime she has pregnancy cravings, I typically have pregnancy cravings as well. I'm like, oh, we're eating a pizza at, at midnight. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I sort of enjoy part of that. But anyway, so the first child that we lost had something called Potter's syndrome, which means no kidneys, no bladder. Um, and we carried Fulton to term. And I remember the doctor telling us, he's like, you know, be prepared. This, this could really take a toll on your marriage, which is understandable you know this sort of tragic uh, tragedy that we are dealing with but it's interesting and and we're maybe the exception to the rule in our case Fulton and his little life and he was he was still born on good friday 2021 i feel like our marriage got stronger it's interesting so maybe that's the exception but i guess what i'm getting at is in your experience with all the different problems that you see to, you know eroding marriage how much does tragedy play a role? Does loss play a role in that? Do you see that in your work? Two things that happen with great tragedy. I've dealt with parents whose kids have committed suicide. Two directions. They grow closer 
they split apart. The component that makes them grow closer almost always is religious faith. If there is no religious faith, then blaming kicks in, then you're not, you're not mourning like I'm mourning. I'm sad two years later and you're back to work and you're still living your life. I don't think you care as much as I do. So those kinds of blames kick in. And if there's no faith like you and your wife had, you don't grow closer. It's very, very difficult to grow closer. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that uh, that sounds spot on to me. So thank you for that. Looking back, Dr. Ray, at your book, one of the I was trying to pull up some samples, and one of the samples I found is uh, the sorry scenario. Husband, just one time, I'd like you to back me up in front of my in front of your mother, just once. Wife, oh, like I've never defended you ever. <laughs> and I'm thinking about the, you know, the, those are you know your mother, the mother-in-law scenarios. Um, can you tell us any mother-in-law scenarios that might be uh, interesting? I asked a high-profile priest once. I said, uh, you know, on a wedding day, how come you don't hear all that much about the dads or the dads-in-laws being frustrated or upset <laughs> or angry? I said, is the ratio maybe 10 to 1 uh, women to men getting upset? He looked at me dead serious. Now he did not, he was not being facetious. He said, a hundred to one, just like that. Wow. Now, now I've wrestled with this a lot, Royce. I think women are naturally more socially attuned. They notice things that we guys don't notice. And the research even says this, they're just aware. They're more intuitive. They pay attention to detail. They are better at um, seeing social connections. So they have distinct ideas sometimes about how the way things should be. I tell mother-in-laws, especially mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, that if there's going to be friction in a marriage generation, it's more often than not mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. Okay. I tell the mother-in-laws, there is advice given to you on your daughter-in-law's wedding day. That is sit up, shut up, and wear beige. And that's, that is great advice for giving them any kind of opinion on their child rearing. If you're asked, okay. Typically I say, well, if you're asked, get them to sign something from your attorney that gives you permission to speak. But if you're not asked, shut your mouth because you may think you're just giving good, helpful advice, but you can't necessarily gauge how it's going to be taken. Quit telling me I'm not a good mother. Quit telling me I have to baptize my kid. Quit telling me you don't like the way I'm doing something. Quit telling me. A lot of times a mother-in-law say something as benign as, and by the way, exclude moms in this, as benign as, well, don't you think he needs a coat? It's kind of cold outside. Now that seems really neutral, doesn't it? But, but it's heard as I know how to take care of my son. I know if he's going to be cold or not. I don't need you telling me to be more solicitous as a mother. That's the danger. Now, people can say, well, I didn't mean it like that. Well, yeah, I know you didn't. But that's how so, it's taken. So be careful. You know, the, the code example is great. And it's not always, um, you know, probably mother-in-laws or, or whatever raising that. The other day I had... 
five of my children out to pizza. Just us, the daddy, daddy children trip. Now, my oldest is a young lady. She's uh, just turned 10. Um, well, she knows exactly what you're doing wrong then. She can she, tell you exactly what you're doing wrong. She is a little mom. She's awesome. And she's got some very strong maternal instincts. She keeps the boys in line. She's the only girl, by the way. So uh, God love her. So anyways, we're out at this pizza restaurant. You know, it's, it's kind of a lot of work for, for me, for dad to round all the children up, get them in the car and, you know, everybody throw their coats on, get your shoes on. I've got my little guy, Roy Saren, who's uh, three years old, has got the shoes on the wrong feet and he just doesn't like to wear jackets. Well, those are the only feet he has, Royce. He doesn't have them on the wrong feet. Those are his feet. <laughs> That's true. They are his feet. Uh, just not quite the, exactly where they should be, but it works. He got his shoes on all by himself. And I have to tell you, this little guy gets himself dressed every morning and the pants might be backwards sometimes, but they're on. Uh, some of my bigger kids don't do that. Anyway, so we get to the pizza restaurant, and it's not that cold. It's maybe in the 50s. And the first thing is a a, a, a woman was walking out, and, oh, I, I think he probably needs a coat or something like that. And I didn't even realize that my little guy didn't have a coat on at that point. It was such a hustle getting out the door. But I thought it was kind of funny. Like, you have no idea what I've been through the last 30 minutes just getting him here. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so the code example is a funny one. And I think it's interesting how the perception of an innocent statement could be taken the wrong way. And maybe especially in the, um, in the mothering world or fathering world as well. Boy, this is, you know, Dr. Ray, you've got such amazing insights here. Now, are you still seeing patients in marriage counseling? Can't you tell by the Twitch, Royce? Of course I yeah, am. The Twitch still seeing and the fictional uh, characters as well, right? Uh, no, this is great. All right, so we're talking about the new book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. And there's a lot, there's so much here, but it seems like th this book strikes me as one of those books that you could pick up, open it, and you're going to take something from it no matter where you open it from. Or you can sit down and read the whole thing through. Am I right or wrong? Royce, I probably shouldn't tell you this. I feel like I'm breaking a confidence. About two weeks ago, your wife called me and she said, look, get on Royce's show and give him this book. I want him to have this book. And I said, I'm not sure he'll read it. She said, do you have a scratch and sniff version? I said, well, yeah, I do. I said, don't scratch in the potty training section. But uh, so she called me. She said, get on Royce's show and uh, get in this book. I don't know what she meant by that, Royce. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, the thing is about the scratch and sniff. I mean, that's, that's my favorite books are the scratch and sniff books. So <laughs> I will avoid, you should do a custom book just for Royce hood with the scratch and sniff section. And probably a lot of dads would be into that. I was doing the math. You've been married 11 years, right? Yeah. And you said that your first little one Fulton, uh, went, we hope straight to heaven, right? Yep. Now your daughter is 10. So there must have been uh, a, a new baby almost instantly. Yeah. So um, Fulton passed away Good Friday, 2021. About, I don't know, eight weeks later, we got pregnant with Francis, who we were very concerned that Potter syndrome is very rare, but it tends to be more common once you've had one child with Potter syndrome. So at 15 weeks, he had the uh, bill of good health. Everything looks great. No, he's got perfect kidneys, perfect bladder. That should be an easy pregnancy. Two weeks later, for no rhyme or reason, his little heart stopped. No oh reason. Oh, my. Right? And uh, so he was uh, stillborn in, um, in October of 2021. 
And then about eight weeks later, we got pregnant again. And our entire family was hit with COVID very, very hard. My wife was very early on. And so we lost Carol. She was probably, you know, less than six weeks along or so. So three in a row. The first and, uh, three children in your, in your. No, not the first three. They, they were, Fulton was number six. So six, seven, eight. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. But that's okay. We had a um, rainbow baby. Uh, afterwards, little Maximilian was our Christmas baby. who was born on December 22nd of uh, last year. So he's approaching one years old. So we've, we've been very blessed. Um, and, and look, I think, you know, we've got three intercessors in heaven. Now, Fulton, just so you know, which is interesting, our, our, my listeners know, we actually captured his heartbeat at 22 weeks, the 22-week ultrasound, and used his heartbeat to record Fulton's song. And if you listen to Fulton's song, the entire thing, you can actually hear Fulton's heartbeat on it. That is the metronome. That is the beat. And it's uh, it's gotten a lot of listens and a lot of views. And so his little life, as challenging as it was for our family, has really, I mean, it's really evangelized a lot. So, wow, what a, it's truly a blessing. Your situation reveals an interesting theological perspective. In most of human history, um, prior to the age of five, mortality was about 50%. It was very high. And as you've seen, there are many complications in pregnancies, even with a healthy woman and a healthy husband, that the babies cannot make it to earth. And this, this is not taking into account any spontaneous abortions that occurred back when the baby was two weeks old. So that leads you to conclude that heaven may be populated more by souls who never made it to earth than those of us. We are the minority. Mm, that's absolutely beautiful. One of the things Elise, my wife, said during the pregnancy, and she would pray the rosary every night, and we would listen to Gregorian chant at night, and you know, just really praying for that miracle. But she, it became very clear to us, absent a miracle, and it and became clear to her, these are her words, that Fulton was not made for this world. He wasn't made to physically walk around this earth. He was made for something very different. So I agree with that statement of yours, Dr. Ray. It's absolutely beautiful to think about that. Um, just absolutely beautiful. One of the, uh, a priest friend of ours said, you know, when you, if, if you get to heaven one day, when you meet Fulton, you may not, you're not going to recognize him. He may not be a little baby. You may be a big strapping man. Who knows? <laughs> right. God, God, God's will be done. He'll look at you and he'll say, Hey dad, you're kind of small, you know? Right, exactly. uh, I was really small there, but uh, I'm a lot bigger now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, interesting thing about Fulton, Dr. Ray, is he medically, he should not have died in the womb. He should have been born, should have uh, lived for a few hours and then slowly would have passed because of the number of complications he had. He actually passed in the womb right after 39, a 39-week ultrasound, no medical reason at all, but from, from the womb to heaven, it was a uh, the miracle we needed, not the miracle we wanted, but it was a very beautiful um end of his life. Let's put it that way. As hard as it was, it was, it was beautiful. Um, in so many ways, so many graces came from that. So again, without going too much, too far down memory lane there, simple steps to a stronger marriage. That book is out now. Where can people find your, your book? Typically your, your local Catholic bookstore. You can go to my website, drray.com, D-R-R-A-Y.com. It's there. Uh, you can go to Sophia Press. You can go to EWTN. Uh, any of those have it. Uh, the ones on my website are signed, so that uh, might that might either deter you or attract you. I don't know. 
So those are the places, Dr. Ray, D-R-R-A-Y.com. Now, I was looking all over your website, Dr. Ray, and I'm very disappointed in you. There is there is not a section for uh, scratch and sniff books for dads. Um, well, that so, that is that's a different website. That that's a oh, yeah yeah that's a different website. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might get you might get more guys reading. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I I don't know if this is common or not. Now I'm some I'm an attorney by trade. So when you ask me the physics, I watch very much what I've said. I've been very careful about what I've said. I don't right? want to be served two weeks from now for something that I said. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, so I avoided physics and math and everything else uh, that required uh, any sort of intelligence um, in college. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, no. Listen, you, you. I think, I think, you know, the line of work that you're in, you're using a different side of your brain. Um, I think maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the the medical side, the psychology side. <laughs> I mean, wow. So. All right. Looking at the books, what I, I know you've got some other things coming up and we're almost out of time here, but what do we have coming up next, Dr. Ray, in terms of what can we uh, expect to see from you in the future? New book being released here in about a might say probably about a month. It's called Standing Strong. Good discipline makes great teens. All the discipline questions I get asked from parents raising the 10, 11 on up year olds. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you included 10 in there because my daughter, as I mentioned, she's 10 going on 16. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. Now, your son, when he hits 10, he'll be 10 gone on five. <laughs> that's he still he still is. All my children, have, my boys have all stopped emotionally maturing at about five years old and they're like little cavemen uh, running. Well, around. keep in mind, you know, the world is their bathroom. <laughs> that's very true. And uh, I mean, how do you get boys not to pee on the seat, Dr. Ray? Is there a trick? It's a, a little sign. Our aim is to keep the bathroom clean. Your aim will help. Yeah, that's it. Huh? I, yeah, we've thought about the bullseye uh, thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. And, and nobody ever takes responsibility for it either, which is interesting. Uh, my kids are pretty well behaved, but all sorts of weird stuff goes goes on in those bathrooms. Um, well, the one kid in your house that does everything is named nobody. Who did this? Nobody. Uh, nobody. That's true. Nobody. They're hiding somewhere. <laughs> this is excellent. So we can't wait. Um, I think top by 10 is an interesting title as, as well that a lot of our larger families could really um, appreciate raising 10 kids. Right. I mean, wow. What I learned from them. Yes. What was forced upon me, Royce. So can I ask you one other question in the few minutes remaining? So, and Father Orsi, who I'm disappointed is not here. He's one of the co-hosts of this program. He would, he, I'm sure he'll have some questions for you. So maybe we can get you back on in the future. How do you do it? Okay. You've got your, your television, your radio, your speaking, your books. Never. It seems like you're always writing a new book. And then well, your father and a husband as well. Royce, I've learned the secret to doing all that. You can't worry about doing it very well. There you go. That kind of summarizes it, you know. Secret to writing a lot of books, you can't worry about them being very good. Perfection is the enemy of production. Is that there you, That's a well put statement. That is a statement that Tom Brecca, a friend of mine from Thomas More Society, always says. And uh, <laughs> the, the words of wisdom. Amen. All right, this is great. So you're listening to Dr. Ray at Truth Culture Life uh, via Catholic Spirit Radio. And we were talking all about the book, Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage, which is out now. And I would just encourage all of our listeners, get a, get a signed copy. How cool is that? Go to drray.com. And 
uh, just so all of our listeners are fully aware, for the record, I have requested a copy of the Scratch and Sniff uh, version. I don't know if it exists, but if it does, I'm, I'd like to be first in line. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But this looks great, Dr. Ray. Really, congratulations on this book. And we're looking forward to the next one as well. I hope to visit with you again, Royce. All right, Dr. Ray, thanks so much for your time. And we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you. God bless. Yeah, don't ever lose hope. Please believe in yourself. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Catholic Spirit Radio. We are very thankful for our dear listeners, our Facebook followers, and business sponsors. May you and yours enjoy a cornucopia of God's blessing and wonders during this season of gratefulness. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Royce Hood, joined by my co-host, Father Michael Orsi. And we have a very special guest joining us from the south side of Chicago. I think that's where you are. We have uh, Pastor Charles Moody, who is with the uh, uh, Chicago City Life Center and also the founder of a new maternity home project in the south side of Chicago. Father, welcome to the, or a father, pastor, (laughs) welcome to the program. It's, good morning. How you doing, Roy's father? It's good to see you guys this morning. Friend, always, it's good to see you again. Last time I saw you, you were here in Naples. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The beautiful Naples. Beautiful. Get him back. Yeah, we, we want you back, uh, Pastor. Do you think you'll be able to join us again at the second annual Naples Pro-Life Summit? I'm going to try to make it. It's, I've been trying to run around like crazy trying to get this maternity house off the floor. So if my schedule allows, I will be there because... It's beautiful there. Give me a well, reason. Well, we loved having you. You were one of the highlights. Hearing your story, hearing the work that you do in uh, in the south side of Chicago, 
Um, I mean, look, Chicago is in the news all the time and never for any good, good reasons. Right. And so many people tuck tail and they run. And you did that opposite. You ran into the city. You could be anywhere. And you went to a place that you felt God was calling you to go. And you were serving a community that so many people turn away from. Tell us a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about your work and what you're trying to do. Right. So my family and I, we moved to the south side of Chicago in 2012 um, to reach folks outside the walls of the church. Um, So we reach those who are called, um, who are involved in gangs. We reach those who are involved in prostitution. We also reach those who are also um, um, homeless, um, addicted to drugs, at-risk teens. And um, those are our target audience that we go after. But we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. So what we have also do, we like, we'll disciple these individuals, but we don't just disciple them and serve them, but we also use them um, for ministry as well. So that's the the, the strength of our ministry. We started a preschool as well to educate um, the children in our community to help parents go back to school or also um, look for work. And we give these parents scholarships so that the children could see a model growing up. They could see mom and dad working. They could see mom and dad going to school. And I believe that the family is the greatest teacher um, for life. So that's our um, particular call in ministry. Hey, Pastor, I I mean, I love it. It's great, but it costs a lot of money, doesn't it? So we started a, a pregnancy resource center um, about a month and a half ago, we just launched it a month and a half ago. And in the, the beginning stages of launching this Pregnancy Resource Center, um, the question was, where are these women going to go once we counsel them um, to bring these children um, into this world? And what we found here on the south side of Chicago is that a lot of these women um, will not even leave the city, right? So if they don't have the support right here in the community, um, the first option um, that folks tend to go towards is abortion. Um, So our desire was to limit the abortions. I really want to annihilate, just completely um, stop abortions on the south side of Chicago. But um, to to stop that, what we did was begin to pray and ask God, what is it that he wants us to do? And he said the number one thing that's going to stop these women and give them true support and true options is if we will provide housing and support for these ladies. So we are in the process of starting the first and only maternity house on the south side of Chicago. We will be able to house 15 to 18 women and their children. And what we wanna do is support them, um, make sure that they have the best medical service. We wanna make sure that they um, have discipleship opportunities. We wanna train them, give them life skills. And our desire is to make sure that when these ladies ladies leave our um, maternity house, that they leave independent, that they don't become dependent on the government or have to find another man to take advantage of them, uh, but that they will leave with complete support um, um, for themselves and their family. But our desire as well is to find those dads as well. So you could call us like the, the dad police, but we're looking for those dads as well to let them know that they are responsible for their children. And we believe that the South side of Chicago will change as we see family structures get healthy and um, the children have their father and mother in their life. But Pastor, where do you get the money? This is a a big project. 
Yes, Father. So a lot of prayer, but also a lot of friends like you guys, right? So um, we're out raising um, um, finances through private donors. Um, we are also filling out grant applications as well. Um, we're going through foundations. So that's how it all starts. But it, most of the money that we have been raising is through individuals who really believe in what we're doing that have been sowing. So a majority of our funds have been coming through individuals that say, yes, this is what I've been praying for. And what I love is that these individuals are not just giving us lip service, but they're also supporting the work through finances. Has the city of Chicago been encouraging to you? So it actually, yes, um, we work. So our church has always had a great relationship with the city um, because we're giving, right? We're, we're, we're providing support for those who are addicted to drugs. We send those individuals to rehab. Um, we have um, a community service for the children to also come into our church and have a safe place. Um, we do weekly outreach services on the street um, in three different locations in some of the roughest areas. And because of our um, work in the community, the city actually come looking for us to help them. So when I shared this project with them, they were rather excited. I would say our alderman is rather excited about the project because this is something that they've been looking to do. Um, but I believe that the church has to be responsible for doing the work um, to seeing people made whole. Our pastor, are you taking in um, women right now or is it still, are you still in the process of getting everything set up so you can start taking people in? Yeah, we're in right now, we're in the, we're rehabbing the building right now. So we're actually um, um, getting the work and drawing. So we have the concepts. We're at the second phase of our project, which is um, completing the blueprints. And then the third phase will be um, really launching um, the campaign for major donors so that we could get this project done. Oh, this is beautiful. So yeah, I just, uh, go ahead, Father. Maybe you could just tell us, I you know, certainly with the reports we get about the city of Chicago are just mm -hmm. uh, horrendous. I mean, it's terrible. Is, is that true? I mean, are there exaggerations or do you see mm -hmm. hope at the end of this uh, dark tunnel? Father, I don't know. It, it could be that I'm a minister, but all I see is hope in Chicago. Um, my wife and I, when we first moved here, um, what we did see was hopelessness. But what we found out is that a majority of the people in Chicago are actually good people. Um, I was speaking to a friend yesterday, and it's probably about 1% of the population that's causing the problem. But I'm from New York, so um, this may sound crazy, but for me, a New Yorker, I feel like the south side of Chicago is probably one of the most hospitable places that I have <laughs> ever been. <laughs> Where were you from in New York? Where were you from? So I'm from a city called Yonkers. Right oh, I know Yonkers. I'm from yep. I'm from a city called Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, okay. So compared you so you know compared to New York, oh, I thought, everywhere, I, I, yeah. everywhere is 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 a piece of cake. So, um, doing ministry here, Father, we pray for about ninety percent of the people who we ask on the street. So people are open um, to the gospel, open for to prayer because they know that they need a change in their life. So I would tell you ninety percent. And I'm on the roughest streets on the south side of Chicago that we go to every single week. And the people embrace us, love us, and to help us even while we're out there on the streets ministering. Wow. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, an organization like yours is, you know, yeah, you're bringing hope and light to a, 
a dark place. I mean, right. let's face it, you know. No, that's that's what it's all about. I love uh, looking at your website, Chicago Life, ChicagoCityLifeCenter.org. Pastor um, services is just incredible. Pregnancy care. We provide support community for women with unexpected pregnancies. Family care. We provide counseling support, equipping mothers and their families to build healthy family dynamics. Transitional care. And you've talked a lot about fatherhood and keeping families together and protecting families. And especially in, I feel like in the black community, it's so necessary. Like there was a point in time where the black community had the strongest probably family structure in the country. Right. Right. And I feel like, I mean, that is something that if we can get back to that everywhere, I mean, that's important. It doesn't matter what color someone's skin is. The fact of the matter is you need a mother and a father. How right. can you encourage fathers to step up and how are you guys doing that through your ministry? Well, one thing, so we live in the community where we ministered. And um, one of the things that folks really need to see is models, like, because some dads didn't have a dad, right? So being in the community, uh, we have been opening our basketball court um, to the community for nine years. And believe it or not, in nine years, we only had four fights in nine years in our gym. Um, to me, that's amazing because I played basketball with Christians and there's always a fight. So <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't Catholic. I can uh, they're not Catholic. <laughs> oh, the, oh, you got to play softball with the Catholics. They don't play with their softball. Oh, uh, wow, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but during this time of even being in the basketball court with these guys and establishing um, relationships with them, what I have also noticed that a majority of those guys watching me spend time with my children and my children also being a part of the basketball games, a majority of those guys today are taking care of their children. Now, I wish they would marry the woman who they're having children with, but they are actively involved in their children's life. And, um, and I'll keep them accountable to as well. Every time I see them, I always ask them, how's your daughter doing? And they better not tell me they don't know. How's your son doing? You better tell me, oh, Pastor, he's doing good. What school is he in? I'm asking questions to keep guys accountable. And um, and that's how we're doing it. You know, our motto for our church is um, um, changing our city one life at a time. And um, and that's what it really takes is individuals keeping uh, folks accountable um, for the decisions that they have made in their life. And I'm grateful. And it's not just me. There's other individuals as part of my ministry that's married, have children, that's also modeling fatherhood as well. That's absolutely beautiful. What you're doing is is amazing, Pastor, and we're rooting for you here. Um, how can people support your ministry? How can our listeners help out with all the amazing work that you're doing? Well, we host mission teams here um, on a weekly basis. So if there's anyone who's handy, right? Because some folks may not have the finances, but they may be a carpenter, right? So when we start building, um, I would love for those who have some of these um, these these skills to come out, some skill men who may be electrician, carpenter, because I'm going to make sure that I work with a contractor that I could say, I have some carpenters, I have some men who's skilled, I need them to come in so that they could reduce the cost. Um, but we also need prayer, right? Uh, we need prayer. We are in the city of Chicago. 
um, it's, 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 I want to say, um, they don't really give a whole lot of choices. There's only one choice. So we need to pray against that. And when the word gets out, um, we have to get permits. So we're going to need favor through the city to make sure that we get the permits that we need. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing we also need um, is finances as well. Um, we need finances to get this project off. Um, second phase is going to cost us about $269,000. Um, we have raised about 130000 of that. So we still need additional phase to complete phase two so that we could get to the construction part of the project. Wow. And they could do this by going through our website at um, southsidelifehouse.org and they could give directly through that. Okay. This is huge. We'll, we'll be sure to ask our listeners to visit your website, just to even just follow what you're doing. And we'll share a link on our social media, Pastor. Um, and I really, I'd love to have you back in, you know, maybe a few weeks or a month or so to see how things are going and to just keep pushing your project. Because I think what you're doing is amazing. I love the fact that you're doing something. So many people, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. So many people like to criticize the big cities. Mm -hmm. They like to criticize this. They like to criticize that, but they don't want to do anything about it or they don't know what to do. You're doing something about right. it. Um, you're living it. And so if anything we can do to promote that and help encourage you, we'll, we'll do that here. So um, we'll be sure to promote southsidelifehouse.org. And I would encourage all of our listeners to check that out. In touch, uh, you're listening to Truth Culture Life. And that's all the time we have. So we'll see you again next week. Take care. God bless. Right. God bless, God guys. Bless Bye. Guys. Thank you. Thank you.